This show is brought to you in part by Art and Object. The art world is constantly changing, and fortunately, there is a great new website called Art and Object that'll help keep you up to date. You can find Art and Object on the web at www.artandobject.com. And recently, it helped to keep me up to date to a new story like the Manil Collection's new Drawing Institute. I really love drawings, so I love knowing that there's this new great place that I heard about on Art and Object that will really inspire others to keep preserving drawing and moving drawing forward as an art form. So to find this and other stories, go to Art and Object at artandobject.com, www.artandobject.com, www.artandobject.com. Welcome, Art Curious listeners, to another episode of our bonus series, A Little Curious. A Little Curious provides you with short and sweet bonus content about the unexpected, the slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful in art history. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in practically any issue you can imagine, such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationship issues, sleeping problems, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, grief, LGBT issues, and many, many more. And the great news is that you can do this all without even leaving your home. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment, and anything you share is confidential. I love how convenient this is because it allows you to get your help at your own pace and on your own time. You can talk to a counselor via chat, text, phone, or video, or any combination of the above. You can do this at any time, and you can be matched with a counselor as quickly as 24 hours from time that you sign up. And if you're not happy with any given counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional fees. And best of all, BetterHelp is truly affordable. And for Art Curious listeners, you can now get 10% off your first month with discount code ARTCURIOUS. So why not get started and feel better today? Go to betterhelp.com ARTCURIOUS. And there you can simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love right now. That's betterhelp.com slash artcurious. Remember, artcurious is one word. Betterhelp.com slash artcurious. This week's topic on A Little Curious, a quick snapshot at the discovery of Pompeii. In 79 CE, one of the most catastrophic events in the history of humankind occurred, the destruction of the city of Pompeii. Located near modern-day Naples, Pompeii was one of the most prosperous and economically resourceful locations in all of the ancient Roman Empire, a beautiful town near the ocean where its inhabitants lived peacefully and with plenty. However, in that terrible year of 79 CE, the near-apocalyptic eruption of Mount Vesuvius brought ruin upon the town and most of its inhabitants, burying nearly every inch in volcanic ash and pumice and for millennia, it was lost to history, remembered only through some historical records, but considered gone forever, never to be seen again. 
The city of Pompeii was located near the base of Vesuvius, and due to its precarious location, the city was often subject to geologic and other natural disasters. So, for example, only about 17 years prior to the big 79 CE eruption, an earthquake with a six-point magnitude struck Pompeii, leveling many of its buildings and acting perhaps as a precursor to or a startling hint of the absolute obliteration that was to come. And come it did. It was thought that Vesuvius's eruption began in August of 79, at approximately 1 p.m., with a 10-mile mushroom cloud exploding into the stratosphere, spewing ash, white pumice, and fist-sized rocks. So imagine the visual horror of all of this, let alone being pummeled by large rocks falling from the sky. By midnight, the eruption column above the volcano grew from about 10 miles to a whopping 20 miles high, while pumice and ash continued to pollute the air. Over the next seven hours, six pyroclastic surges, these hot, rapidly moving waves of toxic gases and ash, hit the city, instantly killing hundreds of people from their searing 570-degree heat and noxious, suffocating fumes. Bystanders watched in horror from afar as the great city of Pompeii was leveled. From across the Bay of Naples, the great author and Roman administrator Pliny the Younger recorded a first-hand account through letters describing his observations. And even reading it now is a sobering and chilling experience. About that day two millennia ago, Pliny writes, quote, Darkness fell, not the dark of a moonless or cloudy night, but as if the light had been put out in a dark room. You could hear the shrieks of women, the wailing of infants, and the shouting of men. Some were calling their parents, others their children or their wives, trying to recognize them by their voices. People bewailed their own fate or that of their relatives, and there were some who prayed for death in their terror of dying." Unquote. Pliny's own despair played into his writings on this cataclysm, because even though he was safe across the bay, his uncle, the famous Pliny the Elder, who was a widely read and renowned author, historian, and philosopher in the Roman Empire, he himself perished during the course of the eruption. He died valiantly, attempting to save a friend and his family by sailing across the bay towards Stabiae, near Pompeii, only to be killed by asphyxiation on his journey ashore. But even the heroic nature of his uncle's death could not or would not calm Pliny the Younger's utter hopelessness. He wrote, quote, Many besought the aid of the gods, but still more imagined there were no gods left, and that the universe was plunged into eternal darkness forevermore. Unquote. Or that's at least what he, and everyone really, thought, that Pompeii would never be seen again in any iteration. But this didn't turn out to be the case, and we modern-day folk are all the more richer for it. Because in 1709, an Italian farmer digging up a well suddenly hit upon the remains of an ancient theater, prompting huge excitement, which also, unfortunately, had an unintended side effect. And that was a two-year-long plundering spree of the antiquities discovered on what it was realized was Pompeii, and also the nearby city of Herculaneum. For the next 30 years, Interest in these sites ebbed and flowed, but until the late 1740s, there was rampant looting and or plain destruction of hundreds of thousands of objects. But thankfully science, or at least engineering, came to the rescue. In 1748, Swiss engineer Carl Weber directed the first documented excavation of Pompeii and Herculaneum, and technological advances and new innovative methods kept the archaeological discoveries coming for nearly 200 years, loving and painstakingly completed. During World War II, however, 
Progress was drastically set back when a series of Allied bombs hit the city, destroying some of its most famous monuments once again. To make matters worse, Vesuvius erupted again in 1944, its most recent eruption to date as of this recording. Thus, excavation efforts were almost entirely depleted for 20 years as a war-torn and further naturally devastated Italy slowly rebuilt itself. Fortunately, though, a savior was in sight. Archaeologist Alfonso de Francisis was appointed director of archaeological works in 1961, and he reignited interest in the lost city of Pompeii. Unlike his predecessors, he did not lead widespread digs, but instead chose to focus on a much smaller area, with particular emphasis on preservation efforts. Now, this was a huge improvement, but for all the strides an engineers and archaeologists were able to make, they were still unable to beat Mother Nature. So, 19 years later, another earthquake with a magnitude of nearly 7.0 struck southern Italy, once again destroying much of what had already been rediscovered. After the earthquake, a campaign was launched in order to bring both national and international awareness to saving Pompeii, which did result in funding in various excavation and restoration projects. And since then, thankfully, things have been on the up and up, with great advances and unearthings that are still occurring even as I write this. About this project and the ongoing efforts, Stephen Ellis, the co-director of the Pompeii Archaeological Research Project at Porta Stabia, has said, quote, Pompeii as an archaeological site has become the longest continually excavated site in the whole world, unquote. And what's ultra cool about this is that the ongoing dig allows archaeologists, and thus us, to continue to learn new things about this old, old site. For example, it was once believed that Mount Vesuvius erupted on one very specific date, the morning of August 24, 79 CE. However, recent discovery of charcoal writing on a Pompeian wall has led archaeologists to believe that the eruption actually occurred on October 17, 79 CE. And it's pretty cool when a long-held art historical belief can be reconsidered like that. Of course, the fact that Pompeii is the longest continually excavated site in the world is thrilling, but what exactly is being excavated is enthralling in and of itself. One of the most fascinating aspects of Pompeii's rediscovery is that much of the excavated portions, including the remains of its inhabitants, were incredibly preserved by the volcanic ash, providing archaeologists with detailed evidence of what life was like in the ancient Roman Empire. Pompeii was a flourishing city, attracting traders and wealthy vacationers from all around the world. And due to its rich volcanic soil and temperate climate, the city also thrived agriculturally, generating some of the best wines, vegetables, olives, and olive oil. Hundreds of vendors would sell their products in the bustling marketplace or in shops that limed the paved roads. And for entertainment, Pompeians would often attend gladiator fights, man versus animal combat, and various other athletic competitions held in the amphitheater, located in the east part of town and attracting as many as 20,000 spectators at any given time. Like much of the other imperial cities, the Pompeian amphitheater functioned as the primary site of entertainment, as men, women, and children alike cheered for their favorite competitor. These events were widely publicized and would attract hundreds of spectators from even nearby towns as well. So for those who desired a milder scene, theatrical and musical performances were also offered. Most of the very best artifacts and objects from the Pompeii excavation, including frescoes, statues, preserved food, and plastered bodies, are on display today at the National Archaeological Museum of Naples, a really fantastic collection. 
That being said, these incredible objects there are almost no competition for actually visiting the archaeological site itself. Today, the ruins of Pompeii attract millions of tourists a year, making it one of the most visited locations in the world. But this huge rate of visitation does have a downside. The sheer amount of foot traffic, combined with exposure to the weather and increasing levels of pollution, is posing a real threat to what has been uncovered up to this point. According to archaeologists, about two-thirds of the city of Pompeii is still uncovered and untouched, and many believe it should stay that way in order to avoid any further harm. About this, scientists have been pretty clear. In an interview, archaeologist Sophie Hay noted, quote, it is important to reassess what we can learn from what is already visible, rather than excavate untouched parts of the city and add to further issues of conservation." Unquote. So while that might be controversial to those working in the tourist trade, these archaeologists have a point. What has already been uncovered at Pompeii, Herculaneum, and similar sites has allowed us to see nearly an entire population frozen in time, providing fascinating insights into ancient life and culture. And maybe for lay people like us, that could be enough. For more stories of the unexpected, the slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful in art history, subscribe now to the Art Curious Podcast on the podcatcher of your choice, or download and listen in on our website, artcuriouspodcast.com. Thanks to Adria Gunter for her research and writing assistance with this bonus episode. I hope that this episode today has made you a little curious. Thank you.